I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's Tuesday, the 10th of December. I'm Jules Breach. He's Andy Brassel. And this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. This week, we're going to be talking about the appointment of Nigel Pearson. What can Watford fans expect? We'll also uh, get stuck into Dean Smith and Aston Villa. Have they flattered to deceive in the Premier League? And we'll also discuss homophobia in football. Andy, how was your weekend? We were in the studio together on Saturday at BT Sport. And very enjoyable it was. What did you have for lunch? <laughs> Thank you very much. Potato wedges were on the menu. And clearly I couldn't get them out of my mind because when trying to talk about Macclesfield players not being paid their wages live on air, I said Macclesfield haven't been paid wedges. <laughs> and you, you, you would have got away with it if it hadn't, hadn't been for that dastardly Mark oh, Pugac. Dear, what am I like? Anyway, it was, it was, a, it was a fun moment. Have it, to laugh at yourself, haven't you? It was it was fun, and I tell you what. Afterwards, um, I was more and more aware. I, I went out and met some friends who were over from from France after after the game. And um, after the game or after the show? After, after, well, after <laughs> it was the, the game. After the games <laughs> and the show, of course, uh, it was all, it was all about the game about Borussia Mönchengladbach and Bayern Munich, which was amazing. Um, but I, I met some friends from from France, and uh, one of them uh, said to me. J'aime beaucoup ton émission avec Jules. Excuse me. And I was like, Jules, who's Jules? Oh, Jules! <laughs> right. Jules! Okay. So, uh, yeah. 
people in France what, what, as well. what, what does that mean can it you translate I, I, I love your program with Jules ah oh, that's nice um, at least they're being nice that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> I thought, thought you said it in French that I wouldn't understand <laughs> protects you <laughs> yeah well look it was a, a, another busy weekend of football um and particularly Watford, uh, one of the teams that we want to focus on today, because they've appointed Nigel Pearson, although he wasn't managing the team for Saturday's draw against Crystal Palace. He was... Saturday's draw with Crystal Palace, which looked like it was pushing poor old Robbie Savage over the edge. It wasn't the best game, was I've, it? I've never seen a man look so sad on a sofa that comfy. He needs to cheer up, though, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, I, I watched the game back on Match of the Day afterwards and that evening and obviously it wasn't the best of the games that we had at three o'clock, but it wasn't as bad as he made out. Well, mainly because of... He was just jealous everyone else had goals to talk about. Yeah, and he pro- didn't. probably. <laughs> uh, mainly because of uh, Wilf Saha and his, his, his chip, though. That was the bit that made it exciting. Yeah. He was he was annoyed, wasn't he? He, he was, indeed. Um, but let's talk Nigel Pearson then, because he was watching from the director's box, having yes. been appointed the night before. So Hayden Mullins still took charge of this game on Saturday. What do you make of the appointment? of Nigel Pearson because I think it surprised everybody no one was expect. this wasn't a name that any of us had in the hat particularly last week when we discussed who Watford could potentially bring in Nigel Pearson wasn't in our thoughts at all no he wasn't um, but it, it makes a lot of sense I think if you if, if you think about it because with Watford they're never going to go for a, a huge name coach that's just not what they do the coach is, is not their priority uh, we've seen that through the way they, they get through coaches and Pearson is definitely a horse for a course. You know, you think back to 14-15 when he got uh, Leicester out of a, a dreadful situation at the, the, the bottom. It was an incredible escape, really. And, you know, that that was, I, I, I guess, one of, one of, one of his, his keynotes. He, he did a really good job at Leicester. In, in fact, one of my best memories of, of, of Nigel Pearson, I think it would have been, what, 20... 2012, 2013, it was um, after the playoff with um, between Watford and Leicester, actually, when he was Leicester City manager. It was just before they got promoted. A very different Leicester side. Anthony Knockhart was there, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Kane was on loan. He played in the second leg of that playoff game. And it was the, the, the playoff game with the incredible ending where it was 2-2 on aggregate. Uh, Leicester got a penalty for what was really a dive. Knockout missed a penalty, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he mm. missed it. It was a double save from Almunia. And Watford took it straight up the other end and Troy Deeney scored, what, 12 seconds later. It was one of the most... In- it's, it's the most incredible end to a football match I've ever seen that I've I've been at. And obviously, like Watford were on cloud nine after that. I mean, Deeney took his shirt off jumped over the advertising hoardings and then just disappeared. It looked like he'd gone down, like there was a moat behind it or whatever. I think his family were there and they'd, they'd, yeah. they'd taken him down. And you think, oh, he's, he's, he's done himself an injury there, but he was fine. Um, but after that, obviously, Gianfranco Zola, who was then the, the, the coach of, of Watford, was very gracious. And so in the little press room beneath the main stand at Vicarage Road was um, Nigel Pearson. And that's, I think, a side to him that people don't really see. He's very, very Sergeant Majorly, very opinionated. He can be very short with, with with journalists. And, you know, I think, in fairness, that's what Watford think they're getting in. Someone who's who's, who's no nonsense, who's going to uh, strip back all the waste and you know get them doing things properly, I suppose. But 
in that moment when they'd had the most crushing disappointment, it's dreadful going out in the playoffs anyway, but going out in that fashion so late on and he was so incredibly gentlemanly, complimentary to Watford, complimentary to um, Gianfranco Zola, um, didn't dwell on his team's problems, thanked his players, which I, I thought was really great. I would not be surprised at all if there are people at Watford who remember that because it was actually mm. quite an arresting press conference. Very disarming, not what we were expecting at all. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few people there at Watford because this was very early in the in the Pozzo reign, but it was still in, in, in the Pozzo era. A few people at Watford have looked at that and thought, yeah, actually, this is a guy who... Not not just not just a coach who's right for the situation, but a a good guy who people in this club of a, a certain size can can relate to, and and someone who's got integrity. It must be really difficult as well to be gracious in a defeat like that of that totally. nature, and to gain that respect from, as you say, Watford fans, people at Watford that work at the club. Um, he probably gained a lot of respect in that in that sense. Mm. And I think that perhaps the reason why we were all so surprised by the appointment is because he's sort of been off the radar, hasn't he? Because he's not been managing mm. in English football. He was off managing in Belgium for a couple of years. So not mm. many of us really kept up to date with, with what he was doing. And I think I've got a couple of mates who are Watford fans who at first were a bit like, what? Nigel Pearson? Mm. But now they've kind of come round to the idea of it. I think that they're... I think that they needed an English coach and Ben Foster, particularly after uh, midweek against Leicester, he was vocal in his post-match interviews about Watford needing an English coach. So clearly the board listened to that. And as, you, as you've already pointed out, Andy, he's got a track record of having kept Leicester up after they were bottom. I think they were only at the time the third club to survive having been bottom at Christmas. And they were actually bottom of the table with nine matches to go. And it was the draw against Sunderland which kept Leicester up that season, which is just quite incredible that he's done that. So, you know, I think Watford fans now will be looking on and thinking it is actually possible. Now, there's a lot of work that needs to be done by Nigel Pearson and his his team that are coming in. First of all, they need to be scoring goals. And we've talked already before, Andy, about... Uh, Troy Deeney, haven't we? And how, yes. you know, it's been tough for Kike Sanchez Flores and Javi Grazia, who didn't have many games where Troy Deeney was fit. Troy Deeney's now been back for a couple of games. He needs to get him firing. He needs to get him, I mean, he's never short of confidence, Troy Deeney, is he? But he needs no. to get him finding the back of the net and get him scoring goals. Once they get that side going, I think there could potentially be a turnaround for Watford because everyone's been saying, you know, this isn't a team when you look at the squad on paper you can never say a team are too good to go down, but it almost feels like that with Watford. And You don't look at the squad and think it's trash, do you? No, you don't. No. And um, really interestingly, in the programme notes, Troy Deeney pointed out that after the Leicester game midweek, he was speaking to Brendan Rodgers after the game. and Brendan, Asking him if he wanted to come back, maybe? No, he wasn't asking him <laughs> to come back. He, was, he, he actually said to Troy, apparently, according to Troy Deeney in these programme notes, that he he can't believe Watford are where they are because he said they performed really well against Leicester. Mm. Now that's really interesting from one of the top coaches in the Premier League, Leicester City, who are second and obviously playing brilliant football, to hear that from him when your team are bottom of the table. And, and I, we've talked about it before as well, Andy, haven't we? That Watford have put in some 
decent performances. They've just not done it for 90 minutes. Yeah, that, that's right. And um, I, th- I think the, the time I've seen them in the flesh this season was away at Tottenham. And they, they should have won that game. They should have won that game. Uh, Deli Ali got a contestable equaliser in, in, in the last 10 minutes of, of that game. Um, but they were excellent. And um, of course, that was under Kike Sanchez Flores. But who knows if it turned out that it might have turned out differently for them if they'd, they'd have been able to to see that over the line. You know, there's there's a few games where they 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 could have got better results than they they actually did. But yeah, I'm really interested to see how how Pearson turns out. There's, there's some interesting little nuggets about him as well, isn't there? In in the um, Adam Leventhal piece, oh, of course, Adam Leventhal so well connected at Watford in the Athletic over over the last little while, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, he, Adam Leventhal talks about how Nigel Pearson, you know, has this background where he's got, I think he's got a degree in history, hasn't he? Mm. And and all the things that he's going to put in place and try and turn things around at Watford. I mean... The story about him wrestling the bear is a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, when uh, he was he was he was off camping. I think it was I think it was maybe either during or after he was he was Leicester City coach, and he was uh, confronted by Bear when he was uh, camping in the wilds. And he, he told it presumably in that voice to shove off. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine it, can't you? I mean, the thing is, is that uh, he's now going to have a full week of training with the players before their next game but it's not exactly an easy game is it they face Liverpool at Anfield in his first game in charge it's kind of a free hit though yeah I suppose you could look at it like that don't lose 6-0 and you'll be fine won't you really I, th- I think the thing is though is I look at it as you know when I'm picking my fantasy football team each weekend I look at Liverpool playing against Watford and you look at that and you go piling on the Liverpool players captain yeah. your Liverpool player because defensively Watford have been poor. You know, they, they did keep a clean sheet against Crystal Palace at the weekend, but that doesn't say a lot because Crystal Palace haven't been scoring that many goals this season. So, I don't know. I think this is a really tough game. But as you say, maybe they will look at it as a free hit, Andy. You know what? I'm, I, I, I might have a little bet on them and cash out later on. Oh, don't. <laughs> I'm convincing myself. Maybe it's the power of Nigel Pearson. <laughs> you know, as he was walking around the pitch, that's, that's the detail I really like from Adam Leventhal. While he was, he, he was doing that sort of barrel-chested walk around the pitch mm. at the Palace game, they were playing uh, that song, Making Plans for Nigel. Do you know what? I had, I'd never heard this song Cheesy. before. It was, it was actually um, written in one of my intros for BT Sport on Saturday, Making Plans for Nigel. And I clearly didn't get the joke because I've never heard that song before. I, you weren't missing much. No, I just, it's not a great song, is it? <laughs> like, no, apparently no, I was no. meant to know this song. I, I don't believe XTC are, are, are listeners. I'd never, never ever heard of it. So, uh, but yeah, I think the fans, you know, they gave them a good reception, didn't they, at Vicarage Road on Saturday. And I think that the fans will now start to believe in what he can, he can do there because he's proven he's done it before and kept the team up when they've been bottom so you never know we'll have to wait and see but I am intrigued to see whether they can turn it around Talking of turning things around there's there's been very little pressure so far on Aston Villa has have they? Uh, I mean they were they were beaten quite heavily by Leicester at the weekend again they'll get let away though, with it wasn't it? I think that, they played really well for the beginning Yeah but you, <laughs> you know what that, that, is, that is the most Villa 1920 thing to, to, to say because you could have said that about them right going back to the start of the season when they were the better team against Tottenham for probably an hour and ended up losing that game 3-1 I think they're in a, a curious situation Villa because they're not safe by any means of course they came up through the playoffs anyway trying really hard to re-establish themselves 
in the top flight. They obviously believe in Dean Smith. They've just given him this extended contract. But it felt to me like a weird point to extend his contract because um, it's just like, you know, when before major championships, like Yogi Love and Fernando Santos and people like that get given extended contracts. And I think, why would you give a coach an extended contract before a major championship because mm. everything changes after an international coach. And I feel the same with Dean Smith. The fact that there must be expectation on him. I know he's a, a Villa boy and I know he's a good coach and I know people rate him and that's great. But things change so much. I don't think Villa can particularly afford to go down. I mean, you look at what they spent last last summer they spent an absolute fortune. Spent a lot you look, of money, at, didn't look they? at some of the players they they're, they're brought in. Uh, Vesley, of course, um, Matt Target, Tyrone Mings, Concert, Engels, Trezeguet, David Luiz, um, even marvelous Nakamba. Those are all like what a name, by the way. Of, oh, fantastic, fantastic. So good. Uh, but you know, you look at that. That's what hundred million straight off the bat. Do you expect something from that? Surely, don't you? I mean, there's more pressure on them, and not just because of the size of club they are, but there's more pressure on them than there is on Sheffield United and, and Norwich. And yeah. because they're neither Sheffield United nor Norwich, the fact that they haven't really been getting the results has, has kind of slipped through the cracks. Yeah, similar to last year when Fulham came up and they spent a fortune and it they just yeah. never gelled throughout the season. And now you look at Fulham in the Championship and... I mean, they're absolutely flying and scoring goals for fun and look like one of the teams most likely to get promoted this this season. And you look at a player like Alexandra Mitrovic, who is top scorer in, in the championship and in the Premier League, it just didn't quite work out, but probably not for his own fault, but because so much money was spent on other players in the squad how do you then make that all gel? And I think it's a similar thing with Aston Villa. You know, I, th- I do think it's tough when you buy, you know, you, f- you buy a new striker like Wesley and that is hard to adapt to the Premier League as, an, sure. as a new player. And, it, you know, we, we've talked before on, on Jules and Andy about how long it takes players coming into the Premier League to adjust to everything that the Premier League brings. And, Wesley needs to be scoring more goals. The money they spent on him, the fact that he is their target man and he's just not quite done enough yet. You know, they're relying on the likes of Jack Grealish and John McGinn. And to be fair, they've been getting goals from, you know, players all around the pitch, but it's not quite enough. And now they find themselves just outside of the relegation zone on goal difference. And and, and I I think they've actually been fortunate in a way that other teams have been so bad you know like yeah. we talk, we've just talked about Watford no one expected Watford to be down there no I don't think anyone expected Southampton to be quite as yeah. bad as they've been because they were so resurgent under Ralph Hasenhutl in the back end of last season and did, so, we, did we expect Southampton would learn a lesson after last season as well which they don't seem to have done at all no yeah exa- exactly so I, I think in a, in a sense the reason why maybe Aston Villa have gone a little bit off the radar in terms of a team that we talk about being down there is because it's been surprising to see teams like West Ham and Everton and Watford down there, that that's what the focus has kind of been on. And there's been less focus so much on the teams that have come up. Obviously, Sheffield United have done so well. Um, and then Aston Villa have kind of been maybe more the forgotten team that have come up because everyone's been talking about Norwich because they've sort of done what most people were expecting, started yeah. quite well, and then it's kind of now all become a bit of a reality and, and they are where they are. Um, so, yeah, I think it's um, they have kind of been a little bit 
out of the spotlight. It's funny that the the Fulhamish comparison that you made, I think, is a pretty interesting one, Jules, because pretty much no one has has looked at that. And of course, when you come up to the Premier League, especially through the playoffs, it's normal that you're going to have to go out and buy some players. I mean, something that's always overlooked about Fulham is the fact that a lot of their players from their promotion team were loaned. So they had to go out there and, and get some more players. That was simply inevitable. And in terms of quality, I don't think you could argue with, with many of those players that they, that they brought in. Um, but for Villa, I think you can overlook the amount of change that has been simply because as, as you were pointing out there, the players that we most strongly identify with Villa's season so far, Tyrone Mings, because he's, playing for England. Jack Grealish, because he leads from the front and he's their best player. And John McGinn, because he's also very exciting. They're already there. Of course, Mings, they competed his permanent signing this summer, but he'd already been alone there last season. So because they're the key pieces, mm. you can forget how much new blood there is elsewhere. I mean, Trezeguet's a, a, a really good example. Good player in Turkey um, for Kazim Pasha, but it's a huge leap from a, a team that's essentially a mid-table side in the in the Turkish Super League to, to be expected to come and do it in the Premier League every single week for a team that's finding its feet. We've seen more and more from Trezeguet in, in recent weeks that suggested he's going to be a good player for Villa, but they need it to happen more quickly, just like you were saying with Wesley. Yeah, definitely. And I think just going back to the point of why maybe they have been a little bit out of the spotlight is because I think when they came up, we we did sort of talk about, oh, they've spent a lot of money. How are they how are they going to make it work in the Premier League this year? And I think because they had a mixed bag of results in their, say, opening six or seven games. It's difficult to make a hard and fast conclusion. Yeah. Cause because yeah. no one was like, oh well they're gonna they're gonna struggle or it wasn't like, oh they're they're absolutely flying. We talked about Sheffield United flying and then we talked about oh Norwich will probably eventually struggle. But with Villa they were sort of a little bit more unpredictable. Yeah. And now I think it's come to a point where we we kind of know what we're going to get with Aston Villa. You're going to get moments of brilliance from their star players, like you mentioned, Jack Grealish particularly, um, who, I, I, again, I still think he actually played quite well um, at the weekend. But it's just, it's just unfortunate, really, that they don't do it for the full 90 minutes and they concede so many goals Aston Villa and that's that's really their problem I mean they were unfortunate to lose Tyrone Mings early on in the game as well um, to injury but that for me is probably what it was you know they beat Everton in their second game of the season and they I remember the Arsenal game they were I, th- I think I vaguely remember it was probably like the fourth or fifth game of the season and I think they were quite unlucky not to win that they one should've, they should have won it but it was kind of like the Spurs game in that they didn't manage to close it out. Mm. And that's a definite issue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on on Dean Smith, I think um, we talk about managers getting their, their contracts extended and, and renewed. It, it's sort of, as you've already mentioned, it's, it's sort of weird timing, isn't it, Andy? And it's similar to Graham Potter at, at Brighton. He His contract was extended to 2025 just a couple of weeks ago. And, and I, I loved that Graham Potter's honesty on it because they asked him about it in one of the um, one of the press conferences. And he, he actually said, oh, to be honest, I was quite surprised. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit strange timing, really, because, you know, he'd only been at the club for a few months, but they're obviously happy with what they're seeing. And I, I can only imagine that that's a similar thing with Dean Smith at Villa. Well, that's that's the thing. You, you get that and you get like Brendan Rodgers is, is as you say, and the, the Potter, Potter and Rogers ones, I think, are, are very specific because it's clearly they're, they're protecting. Don't leave us, Graham. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, <laughs> they're protecting them from from predators because yeah. they've they've impressed so far. 
this season. Do you think Brendan Rodgers was a bit clever though? Because he sort of, uh, when when they asked him about the Arsenal job, he went, well, you know, I, you know, he didn't. He didn't say I don't <laughs> want it, and I reckon he was going, come, come on, Leicester. He said come he didn't on. want it after he got the extension, <laughs> I know, wasn't yeah. he? But it's, it's incredible if you think about it. Say if Graham Potter did go to term. Say if we did go to 2025. That's a long time to be at a football club. If he ends up staying at Brighton until 2025, he'll have been like one of the greatest managers in oh, the club's yeah. history. Well, that's like Eddie Howe type of reign, isn't it? And yeah, you, we're talking you, Klopp at Dortmund or whatever, aren't we? You look at Eddie Howe in the Premier League and you think, how on, has he been there seven years, Bournemouth? Something like that? Oh, this spell. Yeah. Yeah, this spell. Yeah. And and you just think like, God, that's such a long time to be manager of a club. Too and long, some yeah, might say. Yeah, some might say that. And, and you know, when you talk about Brendan Rodgers and the, the Leicester contract, it's interesting because um, one of the questions that we asked on, on BT at the weekend was, do you think Brendan Rodgers will still be there in 2025? And I think that the honest opinion is probably not, but no. not, not because it's any... That's not anything negative on Brendan Rodgers. That's just football in this day and age, isn't it? It's interesting, though, isn't it, that we think of that as a golden handcuff sort of situation. Because if, I don't know, Arsenal were still in a bad spot in a, a year down the line and they decided they absolutely had to have Rodgers, like Leicester, there would be a standoff. Leicester would say, well, we want 20 million for him or, or, or something that's considered ridiculous. And... Um, Arsenal would say no and it wouldn't happen. Um, a, bit, a bit like when Everton originally went in for Marco Silva, for example. But I, it, it still absolutely perplexes me the fact that you go out there and spend like 20, 25 million on a supplementary forward. Mm. But for the coach, the guy who could turn it all around, and if you look at the current power of the Premier League, especially in a Champions League context, why is it? It's because the best coaches in the world are at the top of the English Premier League. That That is why. So why won't clubs say, you know what, let's be serious. Let's go out there and spend, you know, you'd spend like 50 million on Aubameyang when maybe he's not the priority player that you particularly need. I mean, that's got something to do with Arsenal's squad building. But you won't spend 20 million on a coach or you won't spend 25 million on a coach. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, just uh, last one on Aston Villa, because uh, I've just remembered something that... Um, someone told me last week that John Terry was actually approached by a championship club uh, to go and manage there this season and he turned the offer down. Now, I thought that was quite interesting because it either says a lot about the work that him and Dean Smith are doing together at mm. Aston Villa or what does it say about John Terry that he doesn't want to go down to the championship? I'm not really sure, but I want to look at it from an Aston Villa point of view because obviously... That's where he started his his coaching mm. and he's clearly very loved there by by the team that he works with and, and by the players. So it'll be interesting to see whether that is a path that John Terry takes or whether he does decide to stick with it at Aston Villa and Dean Smith on this journey that Dean Smith is now going to go on with the club for quite a few years. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. You can, of course, get in touch with us at Twitter uh, at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel, at Football Ramble. Also, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com if you're an emailer. And there are plenty of emailers out there. We'll get to some of them later. Lots of uh, tree chat and uh, all, all the rest of it uh, Well, you, you promised me some Christmas baubles from Leon and you didn't bring me any. No, no you, you know why? They sold them in a box of, I think, 12 oh. which was which was really expensive i don't want to i don't want to you mean i don't i don't deserve it no that's not what i mean jules <laughs> don't twist my words what i mean my, is my little baby tree on my dining table is still bare i've still not found any mini decor for I, it look dortmund are going to come through for you <laughs> I, I know that also i wouldn't want to be presumptuous and completely ol out your tree true uh, i mean you know i bet even memphis hasn't got 12 Leon baubles <laughs> on his tree. We've got uh, quite a few about Christmas trees though. Go on then. Let's let's have a read of what everyone's saying. Um yeah, we 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 have people have people have sent uh pictures. Uh Neil Biggerstaff says uh, uh love listening to the podcast uh, here in Canada. You can buy baubles in the in the dollar shop and he's offered to send some over. <laughs> <laughs> if uh if if we're short, um which is 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 pretty good. Uh Sam Fluitt has said uh, there are some mini baubles that could decorate your tree. That's the other thing about 12 like yeah. full-size baubles yeah, they, no, could, they could capsize your little tree they would they would um to to, to be fair and um yeah there, there's um also one about uh stockings oh we were talking about that last week. oh those stockings dear jules and andy too i fully support your love of stockings i <laughs> wanted Do to you share love stockings andy <laughs> i wanted to share my grandparents solution um when the grandkids uh began to number too many to fit all of our stockings above the fireplace they started using a stocking stand to hang the family stocking something along these lines but uh bigger since i have Oops. about a dozen cousins that's what it looks like Oh, there's Jules. a little photo. That's adorable. I love yeah, that. It's, it's, it's basically like... It's like a coat hanger. Exactly. It's, it's like It's like a coat rack, but with um, the spokes, like sort of put equidistant down the pole. I it? like it. I like it. Maybe next year. It's too late this year. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with my decorations. I just need some new little mini baubles for my miniature tree. And then I'm done. I've, I got my first Christmas cards yesterday as well. What, received or gave? Received both. 
I had a, I had a girly what? day with uh, my friends, and um, obviously we do all the exchanging of cards. One of my mates, by the way, never does Christmas cards. So you, so we decided that from now on, she's not getting a Christmas card from any of us because every year. <laughs> We meet up, all the girls, and we give each other Christmas cards. And every year, Sarah, I'm going to call you out, she never gives any of us a Christmas card. And we always give her one. So we've decided that's it. It's over, Sarah. No more cards. <gasps> yeah. Wow, well serious. Do you know who does give out cards? Who? Gareth Southgate. Have you seen, like, if you buy tickets for England, Denmark by a certain date, you get a personally signed Christmas card by Gareth Southgate? I love that. That's pretty good, isn't it? That is pretty good. Mm. But we'll be back with more of your correspondence later. You've, you've been in touch uh, via Twitter as well. Yes, lots of you have been getting in touch. Andy, you put out a call for some questions, didn't you? Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to those a bit later. But there's uh, something else we wanted to uh, discuss from the weekend. Uh, mainly, uh, sadly, on the weekend where uh, Stonewall's Rainbow Laces campaign was in full effect, um, Brighton, uh, as per The Guardian, have confirmed two Wolves supporters were ejected from the Amex Stadium and arrested for homophobic abuse. Now... You'd like to say this is a rare occurrence at Brighton. It's not something that happens among Brighton fans, but it's something that Brighton fans are consistently the target of, Jules. Yeah, well, obviously, having been to plenty of Brighton games, both home and away, it is abuse that is targeted at, at Brighton fans quite regularly. And it's it's just... <sighs> It's just really sad, isn't it? And and just a bit. I don't know what I what I call it. I think it. I find it quite childish, really, because you feel like that when, when you go to football games. Of course, there is this element of you know you're there for the rivalry and you want to have that kind of battle with the opposition fans. But it's like that's the one thing that they feel like they can say to you and you can't say anything back. And I feel like that's why they do it. But it's just it's just really pathetic and it's it's unfair because Brighton as a city is the most amazing place. It's where yeah. I was born and where I was brought up. And it has an incredible culture and diversity there. And it's known as the gay capital of England. And there is a huge gay community down there in Brighton, particularly in, in Kemp Town. Um, if you know Brighton well, then you'll know it. And our Brighton Pride Festival every year attracts thousands of people from all over the world. And it's it's a wonderful place to live and, and, and I feel a brilliant pl- pr- place to have been brought up because I've been brought up around this being completely normal. And I think that with the Rainbow Laces campaign, it's so good to see that the Premier League and the Football League have been supporting it because football is a bit of a strange place when it comes to homophobia, isn't it, Andy? Because yeah. still right now, as far as I'm aware, there aren't any active male footballers who are, are out. out as gay. And so when we bring it back to what we were just talking about with the football fans sort of shouting gay abuse or we, I don't actually know what those Wolves supporters said. I don't know whether that's public as, as to what exactly they said to be ejected from the Amex on Sunday. No, and we had a similar incident at um, Everton versus Chelsea as well. Everton fans versus Chelsea. And again, we don't know the, the words used, but... I think most people imagine um, listening to the show can, can can imagine where that sort of stuff was 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 coming from. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think you know, having been there, I know the things that in the stadium. I have heard things that have been said in the past, and it's just a shame that this is something that's still happening now. The the, the positive side of it is that 
the Wolves supporters that were being homophobic have been arrested. Now, I don't think I've heard that before, where people have been arrested from a football ground after being homophobic. It's something that I can't remember, definitely not from a game that I've been to. There, there, were, there were some fans um, taken to court for, um, for, for, for doing it a while back. I think it was, a, it, was, it was an incident. I think it was at Portsmouth versus Spurs. Okay. I think. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, something, something to do with that. So it's, it's something that has been taken seriously. But I guess this is more in the spotlight simply because um, the Rainbow Laces campaign feels it's, it's, it's bigger than ever mm. this year. And it's, it's funny you were talking about um, Brighton, and, um, Brighton Pride because um, it's fascinating over the weekend. I don't know if you saw on Sky where um, Graham Sunes was talking about it and he was saying how like, quite honestly I thought he's fantastically frank and he said he came from a, a very homophobic generation but going to Pride at Brighton really sort of developed his attitude uh, uh, about it and, and opened his eyes in a, in, a, in, a, in a certain way. Yeah it's really nice to hear that because that's exactly what things like Pride are for. It's yeah to, exactly. It's to educate and I think it's it's similar with this Rainbow Laces campaign that the Premier League are doing in the Football League at the moment, it's it is to educate people about inclusion of LGBT in football and and kind of accepting that it is completely normal. You know mm. that what you choose for your sexuality shouldn't have anything to do with the ability to support your football team or to play football. Um, and the the display that Brighton put on at the Amex was just absolutely amazing. They completely covered an entire stand from top to bottom with all the different colours of the rainbow and it just looked amazing. Um, and yeah, I think that they did a really good job. But then you read the comments on Twitter and we've I know we've said this before, you know, people on Twitter, it's not really a complete showing of what the public think, but there were so many negative comments about this display at Brighton. I couldn't actually believe it. I can't believe that still now people are are making comments like they are about this campaign and about homophobia and it just it's just so incredible you know I mean, th- this is this is almost m- more depressing than what actually happens in the stadium because you know i think whenever we talk about uh, any instance of discrimination in a, a stadium <clears throat> we're all quick to condemn it and that's quite right because it's not on but i think sometimes because we don't want to feel any sort of kinship with those sort of people who would do that, we don't really take any time to understand why they might do it. Now, I think part of it is a lot of people see the stadium as their safe space where they can just say anything. And, you know, you've, you've, you've seen this with ultra culture in, in Italy, for example, in that they feel their freedom within the stadium, freedom means freedom to offend absolutely anyone in, in, in whichever way they they see fit. And I, I think some people do see it like that. I think some people drink too much. And, you know, I think there's, it seems to me that there's, there's, there's greater and greater social cocaine use as well, which is cheaper than it's, than it's ever been. And I think that makes people more aggressive and just a, a, a bit more, difficult to put up with in, 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 in a certain way. So I think we've, we've got to look at, at why that actually happens as well, because I, I don't think that sort of getting to a point where this happens less, like the Rainbow Laces campaign is great, 
But it's it's not just a case of saying, you're wrong, you can't do that. That that never stops anything. Unfortunately, a huge part of putting an end to this sort of stuff, or at least minimising it, because you're never going to completely put an end to it, is relating to people whose views you find absolutely abhorrent. You've, you've got to make that effort to to connect with them, which isn't always particularly palatable, but it's, it's something that has to be done. It's that age old, I've, I've paid for my ticket to be here. I can say and do what I want exactly. when I'm in that stadium. Exactly. And that is just ludicrous. Like that is, that's not acceptable. And I think when we, when we try and imagine why, why are people saying it? The only thing I can, I can try and, kind of figure out why people would be homophobic or racist or anything if if that's not exactly what their views are but when they're in a football stadium they shout that abuse i imagine it's just it's the only way they feel they can put those players off or they can well, like you'd say that, anything to put off you'd the say opposition any, you'd say anything and do anything yeah. to put them off i think there are people like that there, yeah. are, there are definitely people like that yeah and it's it's it just can't be that way you know and and when you when there are campaigns like rainbow laces which as we said are great and of course they help to a certain extent to to educate and you know get the message out there when there there are certain people that say things like, oh, I think this is being forced too much on us. Yeah. I just, I don't get, what do you think is being forced on you? Actually, there was, there was some interesting um, adverts put up in billboards all around Dortmund uh, at the weekend. And um, it uh, had, had a picture of uh, a player showering. And it said, um, what, does, what does gay man do in the shower? Shower. And and I th- I thought that was that was amazing. It was, yeah. it was the, the club later came out and said it wasn't us, even though it was done in the sort of Dortmund official typeset. Uh, they they came out and said, look, it wasn't us, but we thoroughly right. su- support this okay. th- th- this message. And I think to to frame it like that, to frame it in terms of the actual abuse, I th- I think if it's done correctly, that c- that can be very very important. I saw a very powerful campaign in um, France some years back. And it, I, I might have mentioned this before, but it, it showed um, uh, people uh, waiting at bus stops and going into a butcher's shop and stuff like that, you know, just everyday stuff. And you, you had someone who would go into a butcher's shop and shout at the person behind the counter and chant some stuff at them. And it showed all these images. And then at the end it said, well, you wouldn't behave like this in real life. So why would you behave like this in the stadium? Completely, completely agree with that. It's it's exactly that. And it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago about some football fans feel like, well, I've paid money for my ticket. I come here every week. I'm, I'm a season ticket holder. I can say and do what I want. And that's not okay. You know, you, you should be able to, whoever you are, from whatever background you come from, whatever your sexuality is, you have every right to be there as much as the next person and you shouldn't have to feel unwelcome or abused for, for any reason. Well, it's kind of missing the point, actually, of, of, of being a football fan in the stadium. I'm not yeah, because you're there, actually, to, to, to unite because you all yeah, love the same thing, which is a your football club. Yeah. The whole point is that you've got nothing in common with a lot of the people that sit and around the you. it's that's brought you together. Exactly, yeah. but you're there for a reason and that should be the only thing that you're thinking about while you're there really yeah I think there's interesting comparisons that we can make with the women's game as well Andy because I know um, you know we're both big supporters of women's football and the difference in how open a lot of female footballers are about their sexuality in comparison 
to the men's game, I find really interesting because in women's football, you know, I think the girls that are gay are quite open about that. And they, you know, I don't think that Mm. any of them feel ashamed in any way. I think that it's become a space where they can be quite open about their sexuality, about, you know, whether they're straight or whether they're gay. It doesn't matter. And I think all of their teammates all accept that. The managers accept it. And I don't feel like it's ever been an issue in women's football. Whereas across the men's game, as we've already said, there's not really anyone that's openly come out that's playing. I guess the question would be, has it been easier for women in the game to come out? Because, of course, things are changing a lot at the moment, but the media glare has been significantly less before. Yeah. I guess that's the question, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, in- interestingly, though, I do know a couple of um, footballers that are gay that, that haven't come out. So it is interesting. Same. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's one of those things. I think well, it's, a, it's that... a personal choice as well. Yeah, like, pe- People shouldn't be forced into being a standard bearer you know it is their personal life it's not a it's not a soap opera and you know it's it's, it's not about that is it yeah. so yeah we've we've had a load of uh, responses uh, via uh, twitter as well uh one from uh, mr marcus speller here why are you recording <laughs> early <laughs> do you actually want to know why we're recording early probably we're recording early because i have got some um bt sport Action Woman Awards tonight to go to. Yes, so go I, um, I've i got to dash off a bit earlier to go to that. But it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be surrounded by amazing women in sport. So Katerina Johnson-Thompson's up for award. Oh, amazing. Um, Dina Rasher-Smith. Claire Balding's going to be hosting the night. So yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And all of you are missing West Ham versus Arsenal. I'm going to be, uh, yeah. Pro- probably a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of which, Ryan Morehouse has written in, how come the media don't link Arsenal's poor form with the Europa League campaign or doing a Burnley, in inverted commas, or is that term reverse, uh, reserved for less experienced teams that managed to get into the competition? Of course, the big difference with Arsenal, they went straight into the group stages, mm. unlike Burnley or Wolves, who had to do all the qualifiers. And um, you know, look at Hull as well. I kind of... I, I do wonder if that's one of Steve Bruce's regrets that kind of prioritised the Premier League over getting through. It's, it's definitely a lot of Hull City supporters I know uh, regret that, that he didn't prioritise Europe um, rather than making sure they they tried to to stay in the in the in the Premier League. Yeah, and uh, we've also had a final email which I think is well worth reading out, Andy, because I feel like we've got this by mistake. This email, and I think we're in the middle. What of do you a, mean? We're in the middle of an argument from Andrew, aren't we? I think we've got this by mistake. Surely this is hilarious. Well, the thing is, when anyone refers to me as Andrew, I feel like I'm being told <laughs> off. Uh, it's from uh, Ricky Cleverly. It says, uh, "Fair enough, Andrew. Totally understand that, and hope the event was a success." Regards, Ricky. <laughs> oh, it was Ricky. I thought it was from Andrew. So I no, just... no, it's, it's to Andrew. That's what makes it weird. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's uh, there's something that's gone on there between Ricky and Andrew, and uh, I kind of want to know now. I want to know what what the beef is. It's clearly something that I've done. (laughs) All right, that's it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Make sure you continue to send in all your correspondence at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel, at Football Ramble on Twitter, and we'll see you next time. This was a Stakhanov production.